Those are the sounds of the protest on January 27th as the air train to JFK was reopened by Governor Cuomo. We got those sounds courtesy of Slacktivist listener Joe Lobianco, who doesn't know that I stole them. Thank you to all of you who took to the streets this past week to protest the unlawful and inhumane executive order by Donald Trump against refugees. We are just beginning. And now, the Slacktivist Podcast. <laughs> That's in the first episode of Dirty Rock. They have been around. I mean, they're, they're, they're Jay Leto impersonation. It was like, That's not Jay Leto. He has Jay Leto. No, Jay Leto. He gets really high and he talks about his cars. I got a car. I got a lot of cars. That's actually the exact joke that they make when, when they're like, You're not doing it right. It's like this. They're like, Hi, Jay Leto. I talk about all the cars all the time. Um, does everybody understand what we're talking about this week? You haven't told us. I have no idea. So I figure uh, we'll, we're going to start talking about all the executive orders the first week, all that. At this point, we'll invite Emily and we'll talk about the Women's March, and then we'll talk about the march that happened yesterday, and we'll just like see where the conversation goes organically. I only have to like chime in with my thoughts and talk about going to the protest yesterday, right? Because that's all I've thought about. Well, you're going to have to like chime in with your thoughts throughout as yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. co-hosts. That's, no, I've like, got thoughts. Your burden But I don't have, have to thoughts. lead anything other than that. No, you don't have to lead anything, and Zach, you, you're just the pretty face of this podcast. So Zach, if you could mostly look cute and not talk, that'd be great. Okay. Uh, hey, welcome to the new and improved Slacktivist. If you can't tell, uh, this is the high production value Ooh, broadcast. Ah, you can feel the money. First real show of 2017. We have uh, Matt here. Here I am. We have Zach here. So happy to be here. I'm Jim, and Emily is here. Yay! Thank God. Can I talk now? Yes. <laughs> Emily, I think you should just talk throughout, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you lead the conversation uh, when we get to the part of the podcast that matters. Emily Crandall, everybody, is a doctoral candidate in political theory and women and gender studies at the Graduate Center, City University of New York. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> if, you, if you combine the three uh, levels of experience of everybody else here, we, you would just have our names. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's got some letters after them. That's true. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm an uneducated bastard. Right. Not like us with MFAs. Um, yeah. You really did master those fine arts. Um, all right. Well, we're we're uh, two weeks into the Trump presidency. We're the first news outlet to cover those first two weeks. So thank you for tuning in to staying with us on our. Breaking coverage. Um, and if, if you're like me, you're definitely wondering what the fuck. Uh, Obama basically, it felt like, had to fight tooth and nail to get anything done for the first six years of his presidency. And now if you're uh, a nervous Nelly like like us, you might feel like, how is Trump doing so much awful, horrible evil in the world uh, so quickly? Um, the answer is, of course, executive orders which I've been trying to wrap my brain around, so here's how I understand it with no qualifications. Executive Mm -hmm. orders are kind of like a memo from the CEO to their employees, right? So, uh, Dear staff, please remove your yogurts from the fridge. If not, you'll be sentenced to death. Right. The kind of top-down order you get only about cleaning out the fridge. I actually actually got that one on Friday. It was very terrifying. From the head of the company? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know that people have been asked many times. Right, from Mickey Mouse. I don't work with Mickey Mouse. That is, I work at a nondescript... When you get off the elevator, there's a giant wall mural of Mickey. 
Because like, you're a costume character at Disney World. That's Matt's day job, everyone. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say who, because I am not a character. The characters are themselves. All right, so when you think about executive orders as a memo from your boss, you can realize that, like, an executive order that's directly to federal employees might have some impact, like what we're dealing with right now in the dumpster fire that is the uh, refugee executive order limiting to certain countries where Donald Trump doesn't have business interests with that are... Mostly Muslim countries. Obviously, everybody knows what the fuck I'm talking about or you wouldn't be listening to this. So uh, that kind of order is directly to the federal employees about how to handle people with visas as they're trying to leave the country, as they're trying to come in. That's like you have to listen to your boss, uh, even though it's unconstitutional. And that's what all the fighting about that is. Other executive orders are kind of like suggestions of ways we might get started on other kinds of actions, like when Obama tried to close Gitmo. And that went so well for eight years. So let's just kind of run down some of these executive orders and talk about what they are and what they're not. Um, Talking about Obama, Obama leaned on executive orders a lot, and he took painstaking months to make them as airtight as possible. He worked with lawyers. He himself has a law degree or is a lawyer. Obama is a lawyer. He was a constitutional law. He was a constitutional law professor. Right. So... He worked very diligently with what would be within the law, what wouldn't be, and wrapped in heads of the different departments that were going to be directly affected by these orders to make sure, like, oh, will this work? Um, if that doesn't really sound Donald Trumpish to you, that sounds like more than 140 characters. Oh, it's Tom- actually impressive that all of his EOs have been under 140 characters. <laughs> it's really pretty amazing. His executive orders are sort of like wrapped up in the kind of leather portfolios you usually see college kids like really trying to land a job yeah. bring into their job interviews. They're they're basically stage props. Mexicans so- bad, Muslims bad, <laughs> ban. Yeah. yeah, all it is is a inside that folder is just something he's colored with crayon, and then he signs. The Keystone Pipeline order is a really good one to look at. The White House didn't ask State Department experts to review Trump's memorandum on the Keystone XL pipeline, even though the company that's building the pipeline is currently suing the State Department for $15 billion. Uh, And he also ordered all of the pipeline to be made out of U.S. steel, even in events where U.S. steel isn't available for those pieces of the pipeline or where it's legal. So... I was trying to wrap my brain around this, and I figured it was kind of like ordering a Sabaros to make you a vegan pizza using Wisconsin cheddar, <laughs> which is like, obviously, you can't make a vegan pizza with Wisconsin cheddar, and even if you could, the point is you shouldn't be in a Sabaros in the first place, let alone telling them how to make their shitty pizza. You know, uh, aides are saying it's sort of a game-time decision every day. They don't know what Trump's going to do. There was a draft reinstating torture that he ended up not signing, but it blindsided the defense secretary, James Mattis. Uh, that feels appropriate because half of the country has been blindsided by torture, I feel like, every day since November 8th. So mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very painful. <laughs> like, nice for them to go through the feeling. I should say all of this is coming from the Washington Post and Politico, so it's super left-leaning tabloids. Yeah, we should um, check in on uh, Breitbart and see how they're... <laughs> we should uh, see how they're covering it, to, to be fair and balanced. Also, do you guys know how Republicans in Congress really want to repeal and replace Obamacare? They and don't. It's funny you say that they don't. So Trump just, like, puts out the executive order being like, oh, I repealed it. It's it's good. I, I did it. Guys, trust me. There's a repeal. It's going to be magnificent. It's gone. Bye. <laughs> so then Republicans find how themselves... How much of that do I have to hear? <laughs> <laughs> Trump impersonation? Do you want him to do it as Leno? Do it as Leno. <laughs> You're going to hear a tremendous amount of Trump impersonations. Oh, wow. For our younger listeners. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jay Leno was a comedian from the 1980s through the mid-2000s when he was fired from his show and then rehired. Next, we should just do Johnny Carson impersonations to really fucking hit home. Connect with millennials. Um, so I guess the, the the result of the Obamacare executive order is like in high school when you were bragging that you were having tons and tons of sex and then you actually ended up in a closet with somebody. And you're like, oh shit, I, I just want to cry. I don't know what to do. That, Did you end up in closets with people? No, I was outside the closet imagining that scenario. Um, <laughs> listening. Listening and being like, Oh, uh-oh, it doesn't sound like it's going well in there for Zach. Um. No, it's more like, this is what happens at those parties I didn't get invited to. <laughs> so, guys, here's what it boils down to. Officials are not being consulted to write these executive orders, um, and so you know who's writing them? Uh, that's right. It is living Pepe the Frog meme Steve Bannon. Uh, you know, Bannon, that guy that nobody elected and nobody vetted except for all the people who called and said they didn't want him involved. Uh, the guy who's the Nazi leader of the alt-right. That's how I... Not that... Well, the guy got punched in the face. The Nazi leader of the alt-right. That's but, yeah, Richard Spencer. Right. Also, uh, this is a good uh, slacktivist action. If you haven't punch done it yet. Richard <laughs> Spencer uh, in the face. If you see Richard Spencer, punch him in the face. But also make sure someone records it. Because right now there are memes going around of uh, Richard Spencer getting punched in the face set to music. I like the one where so, the Sonic... It's like the new Ice Bucket Challenge. It is the new Ice Bucket Challenge. <laughs> punch, punch Richard Spencer in the face and then nominate ten of your friends. So, uh, two, two personal favorites of mine. Uh, MIA's Paper Planes was fantastic. Some great editing mm-hmm. work on that. But also, um, In the Air Tonight by... Who is that? By Phil Collins. Oh, God. There's a Whitney Genesis. Houston one. Oh, that, wow. The big, like, drum Ella. hit. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's one where Sonic the Hedgehog golden rings fly out of him when he gets punched, which is very good, too. Uh, yeah, so Steve Bannon is writing the executive orders, and I'm going to pitch you guys that this is good news, uh, which you'll have to kind of hear me out on. But yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm skeptical of where this okay. is going. Many people know that Steve Bannon made films before becoming uh, the popular racist who's running the country. He was the popular racist who made documentary films. Um, so if you are anywhere near a red box in Garland, Texas, you might be able to get your hands on his movies and mm. just take a look at some of the titles. Tradition Never Graduates, A Season Inside Notre Dame Football, or this winner, Border War, The Battle Over Illegal Immigration, or how about Cochise County, USA, Cries from the Border, or The Face of Evil, Reagan's War in the Word and Deed. Or Rickover, The Birth of Nuclear Power. Uh, so basically, Steve Bannon is a shitty writer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's good news. Steve Bannon dabbles in word salad. He is the writer version of Rick Perry's fake glasses. <laughs> he throws a lot of words in his titles. He feels like they look smart. Um, and to be fair, that's just his early work, not his rehash- rehashed reality TV titles from the more recent years, including Clinton Cash, which sounds kind of like what the Clintons might do next as a game show, and the failed Tom Clancy novel, District of Corruption. I have a question. Yes. You didn't make those titles up. Those are no, real. those are real okay, cool, titles. Cool, cool, Clinton cool. Cash. Um, it, the only one that I might have made up was how I tried to pronounce Cochise or Cohise County. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, it definitely, it definitely reminds me of like when I was writing essays in college and I would throw in words to try and like just meet page length. Right. Like his titles are like movie, a movie about this movie. Yeah. Like the first time you used juxtapose in an essay, like, yeah. damn, I'm so good. Like they'll, they're, they're going to give me an A on this because juxtapose is worth it. That's a good word. Juxtapose? Yeah. 
like Steve Bannon juxtaposes his evil with horrible implementation. How about this? Citation needed. <laughs> Just oppose <laughs> Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the idea, guys, is that it, this Steve Bannon writing the executive orders, while it's like having the emperor from Star Wars writing executive orders, it's good news because they're not going to hold up in court any more than vegan cheddar pizza holds up at tomorrow's. So that's where we're going to start off today. Talking at about Sabaros. yes, at Sabaros. Action you can take. <laughs> so, uh, we're coming to you live from Sabaros right now. I mean, it's it's uh, you hear how empty it is. That's why the sound quality <laughs> is so good. All right, so that's the end of the thing I wrote. <laughs> um, that, I think good. that I think that brings us directly into what happened last night, right? Yeah, pretty much. Is that is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, this is sort of a more roundabout way uh, of going into it. But Matt, talk really quickly and Emily about where you guys were last night and like we ran into what each was other going there. On. We have no connection with each other beyond being uh, on this podcast at the same time, but. Um, I'm blinking really on, <laughs> intentionally. On Emily's podcast, one time I was referred to as Emily's friend. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, only because uh, the Always Already podcast, TM, <laughs> yeah. synerg- brand synergy, overlap yes. connection. Um, oh, that is how we people also are very, should have introduced very you. PC, you know, with uh, right. naming other people's relationships. They don't want to don't want to as a straight. <laughs> As a breeder. You don't want to assume anything. As a, as a filthy, yeah. filthy breeder. All right, so that, <laughs> anyways, that kind of drops us off here, but maybe we can actually go chronologically and talk about all of the IRL actions now happening. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think no, I think it's important. Yeah. So after the uh, executive order, the Muslim ban executive order, as it were, um, people uh, coming back into this country, some of whom were on tourist visas, other who, who were uh, lawful permanent residents, green card holders, were detained at airports across the country. And so kind of quite spontaneously, protests were put together all over the place. Uh, and so, I don't know, probably like yesterday around noon, one of our friends who is an immigration lawyer had been invited to this Facebook event with like, on like at the time that we were invited to it, us nobodies, there were only like 200 people there. And like an hour later, I, I checked that there were like 1,000 people that were going. And all of a sudden it was 2,000 people that were going. And so, it, you know, it's an interesting contrast to something like the Women's March, which had, been, which had been planned for months and had hundreds of thousands of people turn out, right? That's great, but you can't always do that in uh, when you're trying uh, to, to uh, protest or when you're trying to be an activist, right? Some of these things need to come together spontaneously, and it did. Well, that that's kind of interesting because w- what I had originally thought we were going to talk about today, Emily, before last night happened was... Like, the reductive reaction, especially of, of people on the right, after the Women's March being like, yeah, well, what what happens next? And, like, mm-hmm. it was going to be like, oh, let's talk about the Women's March. But do you feel like last night only happens because of the Women's March the week before? Definitely not. Um, I think the Women's March is a different beast in a lot of ways. And the, I think the thing that Matt was just gesturing to, that the, like, you know, the carried out, the planning, the what? That's me gesturing. Oh. <laughs> distracting um emergency rally to like 
go stand in a place where people are literally being physically detained has like a different sense of urgency. It requires a different kind of, a different kind of both uh, response, both in kind and in, uh, in, I don't know if scale is the right word, right? Like obviously if there were like a million people at JFK, it would send a really interesting and compelling signal to people who are involved in carrying out an action that they may or may not agree with or that they just say I'm following orders right which is another another issue in and of itself but they to something like the abstract idea that now women's rights are at risk forever <laughs> it's like a kind of different response a different movement a different um it a different energy is policed differently mm-hmm. a lot differently yeah um and both are necessary one is sort of permitted, and the other is sort of spontaneous. Yeah, right? and and, and the JFK protest was, you know, they, they worked with, the organizers worked with Port Authority to get it approved. They didn't just show up and totally break the system, but the flood of people did disrupt the system in a way, it's designed to disrupt the system to bring focus to it in a way that the Women's March is doing something different. There were no people, no police in riot gear, mm-hmm. all of D.C., and there were demonstrably more people who were planning to be there and who showed up in the long run for a smaller crowd of people fighting an arguably more urgent issue. There were, I would say when we first arrived, there were, there was one police in riot gear for every like 10 protesters. Whoa. Yeah. I got a, I got a sweet pick here. I got a sweet pick. You guys at home. Sweet. Show it to the microphone. (laughs) Hey guys. So I'm holding up. And uh, we can post this with the episode, but it's, you know, outside of the Terminal 4, right? They, at one point, locked the terminal. They didn't want any protesters. They shut down the AirTran. Right. So people, I mean, the best thing I read, or the tweet I read was, you know, it takes a lot to get New Yorkers to go to JFK when they don't have to. (laughs) And so, like, (laughs) there were so many people flooding in that they shut down the AirTran because the arrivals terminal was getting overwhelmed. They had cops from the Port Authority in New York blocking the entrance to the air train, you can only get through with a ticket, you know, and, and they had riot cops outside of the terminal for fear that protesters would storm the terminal and right. who knows what. It's uh, also unclear who told the riot police to show up and who was, like, barking orders down on the way to control the crowd. I mean, people were super peaceful there. No one was pushing, but there were moments where there's a completely clear crosswalk and people are obeying the traffic laws, the light, you know, people are standing to wait to cross over to where more people, where the bigger group of people are, Mm -hmm. but the cops are just blocking that walk from happening for no obvious reason. There was no obvious reason to make the people on one side of the street unable to cross the street into the other, uh, to the other side. Is, Is it possible that there was a war of partisan politics happening even within the policing of last evening Maybe. because you have Cuomo you have somebody making an order to shut down transportation to the protest then you have Cuomo overriding that well order. and it is Port Authority right so in Port Authority is they have a board of uh, officials that are elected and put there by the governors of New York and New Jersey a Republican mm-hmm. and a Democrat so you have to imagine that there is some kind of internal conflict. Why does New Jersey have anything to do with our airports? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a shock, but, uh, you know, I guess we get a say in Newark, so that's cool. Oh, uh, what a fair let trade. Him, <laughs> let them have Newark. I guess... Uh, New Jersey is part of our bioregion. If we were going to break down our political system into, like, small 
environmentally potential potentially sustainable regions like New Jersey would have to be part of the New York region so you're saying we like actually have to work <laughs> alongside New Jersey yeah New Jersey's in our bio region so <laughs> we should care New Jersey's all up. Something about that sounds like it smells bad. New Jersey, like, being inside our bioregion. Um, okay, so th- it wasn't just JFK last night either, right? It was, like, sort of airports around the country. Yeah. And while there's totally, I, I totally hear you in the, in the difference between the two marches and the people that go into it, I guess what I'm curious about is, is there people like me who are sort of, like, I didn't join the Occupy marches. I totally support and am behind the Black Lives Matter movement, but didn't find myself there. I felt sort of trained a little bit during the Women's March, indoctrinated, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. welcomed, and like gaining the appetite for peaceful resistance. And so, and I'm wondering, is there more of an appetite for people to kind of come out after something like that? Well, and this was a lot of the, so a lot of the discourse around and reflections on the Women's March afterwards from the left, or from the radical left that's been organizing, that's been on the streets, that's been, were like the force and the heart and soul of Occupy, and that have been white and black alike, the force and the bodies on the ground during Black Lives Matter, had, there's like discourse among the radical left on like, what do you do with liberals, right? Liberals are notoriously kind of bad at politics. They vote for good Democrats, but they don't demonstrate they don't they don't like they're not vocal union supporters or members sometimes they um you know they don't uh they don't march they don't donate maybe or they donate to one thing that's like a vetted but not anything that's kind of outside the norm of like what's a good good organization to donate to so the radical left after the women's march was like okay so there there's a good reason to have a critique of some aspects of what the women's march looked like it was super white Super, super white. And that was part of the reason why it was policed in the way that it was, which was, like, not that much, right? <laughs> and so the, for the left but for the left to say, like, oh, well, if it's all nice white ladies, it's not good enough somehow is also missing out on an opportunity, right? So you have this discourse now saying, you know, the calls from the radical left to be like, hey, this is a moment where we can invite liberals into radical spaces and say, we see that you showed up to the Women's March, we appreciate your presence, we appreciate you, like, trying to open your eyes and look around and, like, come, join join our space, like, read things with us, talk with us, like, we'll convince you to be more radical. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, like, this is the moment. And I think the Women's March was a good starting place for that, like, radical liberal coalition to maybe start and to kind of gain some momentum. Well, and you wonder how much, you know, like, last night's protest was one thing. It was spontaneous, not really organized. But while we were there, it was announced that today, at this is, you know, Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. at, at 2 p.m., there will be a rally and protest in Battery Park. And now all of a sudden, that's advertised for 24 hours. The mayor has advertised it. It's, you know, it's a political thing now. Mm-hmm. Boston, same thing. Elizabeth Warren showed up. Marty Walsh, the mayor in Boston, showed up. And he said, I am going to organize a rally in Copley Plaza on Sunday. And so these kinds of spontaneous protests show your elected officials and also, you know, with, uh, in, in association with calls and, you know, uh, telling them either thank you for, you know, standing up and doing this or why weren't you standing up and doing this? It mm-hmm. shows them where to put their energy and focus. Right. And so they saw that this is an important issue and now they have to take action for fear of repercussion. And they, this will be the fourth protest in New York City this week because there was an emergency one Wednesday night as well. Mm-hmm. That was at Washington Square Park after the announcement of the executive orders. There was another one for the Dakota Access Pipeline outside of Trump Tower. 
Um, there's the spontaneous one yesterday, and there's going to be one today. And, and you I were was, at one of those this week, weren't you? Yeah, I went to Washington Square Park to sort of stand in solidarity just because I was like so, I was so upset at work. Um, a lot of my students are dreamers or, you know, families of uh, undocumented immigrants. Um, and, you know, it, it shakes everyone. Uh, so I thought it was really important to sort of stand there in solidarity, even if I didn't quite know what was going on. <laughs> But I think I was listening to another podcast that was talking about authoritarian regimes. And it said that their power comes from the opposition party fragmenting and destroying itself. Where like the moderates are like, well, there's actually something to be gained if I just play by the rules. Mm -hmm. That the radicals all disagree on the best way to mobilize, on the best way to organize. And I think that the four marchers in New York this week like show such a united front. Mm -hmm. that That's an argument that one of, a, one of a professor at CUNY makes actually who's a scholar of conservatism and he's been arguing he's also a very public oh figure God. and he is writes he depressed a lot. all the time <laughs> no i mean no so he so he's been resisting the narrative that trump is a fascist for a long time because he's mm. like it's not an organized enough cohesive enough or like intelligently pitched enough movement to be fascism <laughs> like conservatism as like a philosophy and an orientation in the world is a particular chosen deliberate strategic orientation in the world it's not like slapped together haphazardly and without thought and all you know gut emotion politics it's it's politics as thinking and a way of thinking and a way of being in the world and he's been making the claim that he's not we shouldn't think of trump as a totalitarian fascist because the first thing that totalitarian fascist regimes do is gut the left immediately go after communists go after unions go after labor and what all that trump has done in two weeks has brought the left together with liberals yeah. <laughs> and like arguably created a stronger opposition than what was there when he when when people were sort of like well maybe he won't be that bad <laughs> well, would would liberals be able to react the way they are though without the weird kind of implicit buy-in that like they don't want to they I don't know there's this weird liberal buy-in of like yeah he's 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 our dictator we can't let him have it like we can't let him do it I I feel like uh, oh you it makes think that sense. it's like strategic like, to call him a fascist because it gives us like something or maybe it gets like the center people off the couch right like, well mm -hmm. I think it. It does. Because yeah. I think, I think like, progressives don't see it as fascism. They see it as, like... Business as usual. Yeah, right? Like, but, and they're like, like, Marx has been saying this for 200 years, and also, we told you so. But it sort of... Yeah. It brings us kind of back to the to the opening slacktivist rant of the, of the episode, which is kind of, like, it's really been more just poorly done politics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, the rest of your party's not on board with what you're doing. They don't understand. You're not ready. You're not a united front. You think you're producing a tv show still mm -hmm. and that's why i think it's it's kind of impressive and exciting that within 24 hours he loses his first legal battle after it's been challenged uh yeah as in the stay right so uh, let's take a quick pause does anybody want to kind of quickly try to sum up what actually happened with the aclu's stay on not like this is where people are coming yeah i mean i could take a stab at it down. i am not an immigration lawyer despite my dad's uh, what? best hopes oh that God, i would go to law school uh, weird that's no odd. i'm not a lawyer i am the least educated person in this room next okay. to the cat um <laughs> that's i'm not saying the cat is less educated than me i'm saying i am next to the cat at this moment oh, okay. um, the cat has street smarts the cat has <laughs> street true. smarts that cat, i can never even the imagine. cat can survive outside for 48 hours much better than you can. absolutely um, also the cat lives with me while i'm writing my dissertation home alone every day which means we spend a lot of time talking about philosophy <laughs> Do, discussing ideas <laughs> you bounce a lot of ideas that is a very thinly veiled cry for help um, 
Nobody get write a dissertation. <laughs> so the stay essentially says that you just can't detain people who are supposed to be here. Right, that's why they call it a stay. Yeah, it's and it's it's federal. It was also <laughs> first person to make that joke in America. I, I call you it. might be. I, I called that dibs. joke. You I call dibs tweet on that right terrible now, dad joke. Um, but you know, like it it is temporary until appropriate like an appropriate court case actually determines on the constitutionality of the law which is why today's follow-up demonstration matters so much yeah because nothing well, and people are still being detained i right. mean you know the stay the stay was granted but it's not been immediately enacted yeah i mean the big news coming out of dallas international airport down in virginia is i think that, it's pronounced dallas <laughs> is that <laughs> embarrassing. you had one dad joke that was good don't 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 Sorry, uh, I'll stop. poison the well here, I will stop. uh but yeah, they're still not they're still not releasing people down there. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but when Dick Cheney is saying something seems kind of not moral, <laughs> you're like in the he shot a guy in the face, like just for looking like a deer. So I just feel oh, like well, and he launched a war to like right. like uh, like put a little money in his pocket. Right. So you don't really want to be on the other side. Uh, well, no, I guess you normally want to be on the other side of the moral coin from Dick Cheney, but even on this one, he's kind of falling off the line. Yeah. Um, okay, so... You don't want to be on the same side. Yes. Yeah. But in this instance, we are. I've raised it as a good point. Uh-oh. No. That pauses right. everyone questioning. Next up, one slap to this. Jim now is a Dick Cheney fan. Jim- We're gonna kick to our first sponsor. Um, what are you pointing? Uh, Emily's gonna. Emily's uh, as our guest is announcing the sponsor oh, this week. Emily, um, are who's, you just gonna make me tell a joke? No, no, no. You can just you can just set us up, um, and we'll have to tell you what this sponsor does by saying like a company name. You make up a company and then we. Oh, I make up does. the company. Yeah. Like, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? Bone broth. <laughs> so our sponsor. That's our sponsor. <laughs> It's, it's Big Betty's Bone Broth. <laughs> <laughs> that um, made it. <laughs> so, Zach, why don't you tell us what Big Betty's Bone Broth does? Big Betty's Bone Broth. What a fantastic product. Mm-hmm. I use it a lot. Right. Um, not edible. Don't make that mistake. Yeah. Not, not an edible bone broth, actually. Um, it actually is really good for your bones. Um, and it's a, it's a, am, I, am I correct in understanding that it's, that it's a salve that you apply directly to your skin? Yeah, and it seeps through the skin, through the muscles, mm-hmm. directly into your bones. Zach, do you it's mind demonstrating great, on a, me how to apply it properly? It's a great post-workout um, broth. <laughs> so just t- this describe is, to this the is audience is podcast radio, right so yeah, you have to go into detail. With okay, how the, the so the first thing works. you want to do is put your palm face up. Mm-hmm. Um, My palm is face up right now. And, and then you... You pour the bone broth into the palm. We understand how to remove liquid from a container. What do you do after you <laughs> I have made it in a your cup hand. with my hand? It seems like Jim's actually more experienced with his bone broth. Maybe he could, uh... It's true. Basically, you rub it everywhere. You feel the strength of a thousand men. It might cause cancer. We don't know everything about bro- bone broth yet. Why do you feel the strength of a thousand men? Oh god, I walked right into that. <laughs> it's Jim is merely reading off Big Betty's Bone Broth uh, slogan right now. It is not Big Betty's Bone Broth is the strength of a thousand men. No, the strength, strength of a thousand, thousand Betty's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I think we can all agree we nailed that section. Big um, bone broth. Looking the forward to isn't enough. cutting <laughs> that in post. <laughs> okay, uh, that brings us to this week's slaction. We kind of talked IRL action, right? IRL action was about write your dissertation. <laughs> writing yeah. your dissertation by talking to your cat. So this week's slaction comes directly out of. Uh, for those of you just coming to the program for the first time, Emily, <laughs> our slaction is something you can do if you're very lazy, like if you haven't planned your podcast before you record it. Um, the slaction is something you could do from not even like moving from your place of comfort. So, what moving is an incorrect term? My place moving of comfort from is your in, place of comfort. My place of comfort's in Zach's arms. So can I have a slack? <laughs> yes, from there? you can slack right from Zach's arms. Uh, the selection for this week is to follow up on participation in the Women's March, or if you wish you had participated in the Women's March, uh, it is not too late to be involved, because mm. you can sign up with them to be part of their 10 actions in 100 days. They are telling us every 10 days what to do. This might backdoor IRL action some people later on, if like the action eventually becomes uh, you know getting up and doing something, but uh, the first... Part of the selection is simply just signing up. And I believe the first action of the first 10 days was they would mail you the postcard and then you would fill out the postcard that goes to your senator saying, hey, I was at the Women's March or I was into the Women's March. This is why I went. This is what we're all about. Or this is what I, you know, I'm hoping you take from my participation in it. So, yeah, that is your selection for Where do we week. go for the selection? Oh, that's a good question. Let me Google it. I signed up, but I don't remember the website by heart. Hang on. This is, we're showing you how easy it is to find if you don't remember what we're doing. Jim just typed it, Women's March, 10 days. And it, you go to womensmarch.com, which is, that seems like it would make sense. Um, slash 100. Sla uh, yeah, but you could also just Google Women's March 10 days, and it's the first thing that comes up. Um, so, yeah. It's um, pronounced goggle. What? <laughs> it's pronounced goggle. You goggle it. And, you um, or alternatively, if you prefer other search engines, you could go to YooHoo. Yes. <laughs> YooHoo. Can you yeah. still bing it? You bong it. Bong you can it. bong it and you can exit. Is you it can, excite still around? No. I know. <laughs> Nothing like explaining your joke. Um, so, if you were to write your postcard, what would you guys put on your postcard? On the spot question. Well, mm. I think there are two strategies. You can write mm. a postcard to an elected representative who's been doing stuff that you are super in support of and just be like, hey, thanks. That's that's helpful. Right. You can also do that on Twitter. It's like even lazier than uh, doing it by <laughs> postcard. Um, and then you write to people who are maybe their vote is still up for grabs on something that you think is important and you wish they would uh, listen to their constituents or someone who has a view that you do not share and say, <laughs> I do not share your view. I do not share your view, <laughs> good representative. Um, I actually, I yeah, actually no. was doing daily, the daily action and they were like, call this number and you will, daily action, for those of you who don't know from our previous episodes, was they text you like what you can do every day. Um, and so they said, call, call in. And it was like to a call center who just randomly assigns you to somebody. And I was randomly assigned to an outside state from my own. And they, it was, it was like a really awkward panicky moment where I was like, I don't agree with Rex Tillerson. And they were like, who is this? And I was like, uh, uh, and they were like, where are you calling from? And I was like, 
New York. And the guy goes, all right, I'll pass it along. <laughs> They're not really concerned with me in Alabama. So maybe your uh, your postcard should go to your um, someone within your state. There are, are lots of uh, Congress men and women and senators uh, to choose from in, in that pile. Um, cool. So that's yeah. our selection of the week. Did Emily give what she would write? I, I thought, yeah. No. No. She said there what were two would you? Strategies. Yeah, you said there are two strategies, Emily. But how would you approach it coming out of the Women's March if you were going to sort of like write to Chucky Shooms? Um, I think. Well, I don't know if any of people who I've directly elected have who do, who would I be mad at? Who would I write a mean postcard to? Well. I guess I can tell you what I wrote, and you what guys you can just take it. With <laughs> well, it's it's hard because Schumer held a press conference today. Gillibrand was out in front of it yesterday. Nidia yeah. Velasquez, our our representative in the House, was actually one of the two representatives from New York, along with Jerry Nadler, who mm-hmm. went to JFK in the morning to help secure the release mm. of one of the DTs. T- so it could right, be what you're like saying. But like a postcard where you I get them. from the Women's March last week, and I write to. Senator Gillibrand or Senator Schumer isn't going to be about, like, you need to go to the airport today to help people sure. who are detained. Like, right. that's what I use Twitter for. <laughs> well, right? Which I, th- I did this morning. I, honestly, we could use her time You know what I think would be good? Yeah. It's like, Gillibrand is, has really been the Gilla firebrand of the Democratic Party, voting against Ooh, most of Trump's oh, nominees. God almighty. <laughs> She's voted against more of Trump nom- Trump's nominees than right. any other Democrat. She's the only one who voted no on every single one. Yeah. She's great. Chuck Schumer, on the other hand, is kind of, he's like kind of wishy-washy. He hasn't really taken a hardline stance. He is the, you know, the minority leader now, and he, right. he really kind of hasn't taken that. Harry Reid w- would have gone and boxed Steve Bannon by now. You know? Right. You mean like physically, like Bare challenged knuckle, him to fisticuffs. Shirt off, trousers up to his belly button. Right. Pleats waving in the wind. <laughs> can we please stop talking about Roadhouse? Uh, pleats, yes. Um, okay. So I can tell you what I wrote, and maybe it's totally uh, not effective, but I'll, I'll put it out on the table and we can see. So I thought a big part of the Women's March that I was concerned with was reproductive rights and what's going to happen within the Supreme Court battle. So I said, dear Senator Gillibrand, dear Senator Schumer, um... I am a little bit disturbed by the pattern of opposition that goes nowhere with every Trump appointee who ends up just walking Mm -hmm. right into office. When the Supreme Court comes, I expect a real battle. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of what I sent in. So I don't know if that's effective. It's it's also like, great. They're like, oh, good idea, Jim. Uh, (laughs) I wish I had thought of that. Who's this Jim guy? Yeah. Who's this Jim guy and why does he misspell Supreme? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's... But they'll roll, they'll roll something out every 10 days for you. Great. So I think this is the part of the program where uh, called Breitbart or Out of My Ass. I'm going to go to Breitbart News, and I'm going to ask if this is an actual headline from Breitbart News or if I'm pulling it out of my ass. And the three other... Uh, panelists will play the game, and we'll see how we do. Um, I've been relegated from a co-host to a panelist. <laughs> no, in this instant. Oh, Jesus. Um, okay. Deal. <clears throat> Dealing with this all week now, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> Surprising gold warning. 
That's the headline? Real. <laughs> That's the whole headline? That's the whole headline. Real. Yeah, I vote real. Real. Yes, good. Ron Paul says, buying gold will not be enough. Here's the next step to take. Oh, my God. Is he a, is he a financial <laughs> planner now? Uh, that's an ad, guys. That's an ad from Breitbart News. Okay. Um, You're thinking about it, fake. <sighs> fuck. Can you just play along a little more? This is completely unplanned. All right. Uh, 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 okay. Progress. Fake. <laughs> Progress. Fake. DHS vows to enforce Trump's travel ban executive order. Real. Real. Fake because, just to switch it up. The answer, the reels have it. That is real. The progress is being made, guys. Progress, I was sort of unsure about because I was like, would they really even write the word progress on (laughs) my partners? (laughs) I thought that was maybe the red herring there. (laughs) Yeah, don't they have like a find and replace to swap out certain words before they Progress means, yeah, find progress, replace with great again. (laughs) Um, All right, how about this? Uh, Exciting news, shilling one of three for Supreme Court. It's former Red Sox Kurt Schilling, <laughs> one of three Ooh, possible real. candidates real. for Supreme Court. Real. I'm tempted by the real on this one, but I'm going to go with fake. Out of your ass. Um, out of ass. Okay. Out of ass has it, but there is an ad for whatever it takes with Kurt Schilling every day from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Wow. In case you need to start. And there is a picture of him reaching for the bloody sock. Oh in case God. anybody's wondering uh, what's happening there. Okay. Trending now. This is rapid fire. Hysteria. Kane accuses Trunk of Holocaust. True. He accuses Trunk? Sorry. (laughs) Hysteria. Fake. It's Trunk. (laughs) President Trunk is fake. (laughs) Kane accuses Trump of Holocaust denial. Real. Real. Herman Kane? Yes, Herman Cain. Fake. Oh, Tim Cain. It's like, why would Herman Um, Cain? Okay, real or fake? Conway, there was nothing wrong with my dress. Fake. Real. Fake. <laughs> no, it's, it's fake. <laughs> I'm good at this. <laughs> uh, inconvenience to 1% of travelers, small price to pay, is what Conway said. Um, okay, real or fake? Sad Hillary tweets, this is not who we are. Real. real. Fake. It's real, sadly. Um, okay, real or fake? In hot pink, Chicago Tribune issues correction for Milo white nationalist smear. Uh, you real. read that like it was real. Yeah, it's real. I don't know why it's in hot pink. That is real or out of my ass from Breitbart News. For anyone who wants to know, there is also... Is there a way that we could like use a grand, There is mode? also on here a rare glimpse of Bonanza behind the scenes, which actually seems like nothing wrong there. <laughs> so I don't know. Bonanza behind the scenes. How the Jews ruined America. <laughs> Remember that time Jim found himself on both the side of oh, Bonanza Dick Cheney and Dick Cheney. And Herman Cain. Oh, Dude, God. something to tell us. Cried tears. Sweet, salty tears. All right, everybody. Uh, I think that we are coming up to, to the end of our first beautiful uh, new and improved Slacktivist broadcast. We're going to end, I'm going to take out the weird part where I talk about IRL action and no one has any idea. I'm going to put everybody on the spot with a potential IRL action for the week. That's how we're going to close out. We're going to go around and be like, what's your IRL action for the week? So, our IRL action is something you could do in real life. Like... Getting up and mailing the postcard that <laughs> you had mailed which, to you earlier. Which Jim is going to be doing. Um, yeah, no, I handed it to someone else who was mailing theirs. Um, so, yeah, IRL action for the week. Whoever's ready to go, just dive right in. Go to an airport. 
go to an airport. Stand, Take a flight. Stand with people in solidarity. There's oh. going to be people at airports all over all week long until whatever, anything happens. There are going to be lawyers there. They're going to be... I mean, we saw on the group yesterday, people were like, people have been standing out in the cold for eight hours. Can you bring hand warmers? People were passing cookies around. Like, take some cookies Is to people JF at a protest, K even if you feel like... like Sakati Park? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. That's yeah, um, I, I told my mom... Which is weird, because LaGuardia has held that title for <laughs> years. <laughs> I, to, I told uh, my mom that there were good vibes yesterday at the at the protest, and, and that someone was handing out cookies, that I had one, and she said, oh, what was in it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now I think we want to know what was in the cookie. Chocolate, Chocolate chips. chips. Right, that's actually a good point. Guys, it's not the place to get creative. <laughs> snickerdoodles and your raisin cookies. Go with out. the classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of that vegan crap. Anybody else have an IRL action they want to... Oh, yeah, I, I have one. Um, so, uh, listeners may not know this, but I, you know, in addition to my my job, which I've mentioned before, I also work on the side, like, sort of as, like, a hobby slash side hustle with these two other guys, and I've taken it upon myself and my responsibility. I found this really great um, unconscious bias training courses that mm. Facebook runs, and they have all these amazing videos, and I'm going to sit down and make my partners watch it because I think they really need it, and I think... That, you know, if we're going to move forward as a company, like, and be more successful, that we need this unconscious bias and diversity training. And there's also this amazing TED Talk on intersectionality, which I'll make them sit down and watch. And I think, you know, it's a small step that I think will lead to big gains. Man, that, let us know how that goes. <laughs> My IRL action is going to be suffering through Zach's IRL action. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, people took baking cookies already. Um so my IRL action, this is a total cop out because we've said it before, but I was super proud to be an ACLU donor last night. Um, and if you haven't yet, um, now's a great time to kick them 10 bucks a month. Cully, I am going to work on my Jay Leno impersonation <laughs> as well as my Johnny Carson so he can come back and really knock your socks off. You won't even know I'm here next week. I'm going to be, quote, sick. Matt, this isn't a game. <laughs> here we go. Here's here's something for you. I'm about to get off of this podcast and go to Battery Park to rally. Nice. That sounds yeah. good. So on that People note, divided. Slack. Be united. Uh, slack. Don't slack off. Slack on. I got that wrong. What is it? The people divided. Can never, no, the people united can never be. So, Emily, this is where we uh, say goodbye with a slack pun. Could you give that a shot? Oh, a slack pun. Man, I'm so bad at puns. You guys are too quick. Too quick with mm. mm-hmm. No, this is the biggest Slack, like, uh, slack, slack back to the future. Slack give to the future. Give yourself a slack on the back for being <laughs> such a great slacktivist. A slack give yourself a slack. slack on the side. Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I beat Matt to it. <laughs> <laughs> give, give, wait, and... Give, I'm done. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to leave you with a pun, but I will leave you with a fun tidbit. Uh, in addition to my mother asking this me if I got... This is where we fade out in the middle <laughs> of the... <laughs> if I, in addition to my mom asking me if I got high at the protest, she has also started referring to Donald Trump exclusively as Donald Duck. Nice. That'll show. So, that's it, man. All right. There you go. Bye. Love you, Mom. Oh, thanks, Emily. <laughs> thanks, Emily. What are we doing for dinner, though?